0: Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: American striker Daryl DK has garnered something of a cult following among fans of the English championship. Why is that? John Muller explains what the data says about DK's goal-scoring production and why it might not be sustainable. Plus, we take a first look at the U.S. men's national team's upcoming World Cup qualifying window. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Monday, January 24th. But first, your TV guide for today as usual, all times are Eastern. As mentioned at the top, it's the international break, so there actually isn't too terribly much happening in the top divisions. There is, of course, the Africa Cup of Nations, which continues with two round of 16 games today. Guinea vs. Gambia at 11 a.m. and Cameroon vs. Comoros at 2 p.m. You can listen to yesterday's episode with Carl Anka for more on the Africa Cup of Nations. Just know that you'll definitely want to see. If you can only watch one game today, uh, you should watch Comoros and see if they can pull off the opposite against Cameroon. Really one of the best stories in soccer going right now. If you're absolutely desperate for more live soccer in some form or another, there's also the Men's European Futsal Championship. It's always fun to watch something different like that, an indoor version of the game every now and again. Italy versus Slovenia at 11.30 a.m. on ESPN3, and Finland versus Kazakhstan at 2.30 p.m. also on ESPN3. Now for more on Daryl DK and the week ahead, let's head over to John Mueller. John Muller, th- thank you for coming on the show again. Uh, I'd like to have you on uh, to identify games that happen uh, during the upcoming week that maybe are overlooked or are interesting from some sort of uh, analytical perspective, which is, of course, how you cover the game for The Athletic UK. However, here, your second appearance, where I was going to have you on to do this, of course, it's an international week, so it's a very slow <laughs> week for for club soccer in the world. However, there's plenty of international stuff, and you have done a piece this past week uh, of interest to the major of a lot of our audience who is from the United States on Daryl DK and his uh, move to West Brom. Why don't you start us off here, John, just with how you looked at how Daryl DK fits with West Brom and sort of what you found from uh, from your analysis. So
2: he's also of a surprising amount of interest to the English audience. I found he's already <laughs> like sort of a cult hero in the championship, which is fascinating to me because like in MLS, you know, it, yeah, he, he got a lot of attention as a rookie for scoring like eight or nine goals. And, uh, you know, he's, he's done all right for Orlando, but like nothing that, that would justify like cult hero in England status. And yet sure. there he is in the championship and they are super excited about him at West Brom. I think Steve Madeley, our, our West Brom reporter has already done three different DK stories in the last week. I think
1: this he um, has, yeah,
2: yeah, and and so you know, I a, a lot of this just boils down to Daryl DK scores goals, and you know, if you know one thing about Daryl DK, you know that he scores goals, and that's exciting. Uh, West Brom has been one of those teams that you know they've played well, but they've needed sort of clinical finishing, and everybody gets excited when they have a guy that they think is a clinical finisher, and so I worked with Steve on a piece about DK's finishing. Because, you know, one of the main things, like, pretty much the only thing that we've talked about in soccer analytics for the last, like, decade is expected goals, right? And one of the main things that you're supposed to take away from expected goals is that finishing skill is, like, not as big a deal as we think it is. And most shooters, if you give them enough shots, will kind of finish right around average, plus or minus, you know, 10, 20%. Uh, Certainly not plus 59%. Which is what Daryl D. K. has done thus far in his MLS and championship career. He scored 27 goals on 17 expected goals. And if the reason that you're excited about Daryl D. K. is because you think he's going to keep scoring 27 goals on 17 expected goals, you should not do that. That is a bad idea. <laughs> and that's what I was trying to get across in this article.
1: Well, yeah. So, so did you uncover anything as you were looking at all this that maybe explains why he is? able to finish so far sort of outside expectation? Or is this just a is just this just a matter of it of him kind of being on a hot streak and having sort of a read for the game at at this particular moment that he might not have forever because strikers can be streaky?
2: Yeah, you know, everybody wants to identify like what makes somebody, you know, that extra five or ten percent special. And that certainly could exist in DK's case. The problem is that We just don't have good enough data to like really get into the granular mechanics. We don't even have shot velocity, which I think in Daryl Dike's case is probably a pretty important thing to know. Uh, because if, if you know two things about Daryl Dike, one, he scores goals two He hits the ball really fucking hard. Can I say that? He hits the ball ball really hard. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, like opt timestamps and the data don't capture, you know, the fractions of a second that a ball takes to get the goal. We don't know how fast the ball is traveling when a shooter shoots it. So we can't distinguish somebody who shoots it really hard from somebody who doesn't. Uh, And, you know, maybe that's making a small difference in in finishing percentages. But again, the main story that I always want to keep coming back to is like, even if somebody is a plus five or plus 10% finisher, they're not a plus 60% finisher. And so the most important thing is, can you get into good shooting positions consistently? And that's something that I think that DK has gotten better at over the course of his very young career but it's not something that he's great at. He doesn't generate an outstanding amount of XGs, roughly average for an MLS striker. And so I think for West Brom, you know, if he's going to keep scoring at the rate that he has, he needs to get into better shooting positions consistently.
1: One thing you pointed out in this piece that I thought was interesting is actually via uh, another analyst, Carlin Carpenter uh, had a, had a sort of a map that displayed the different types of chances that DK was able to finish and, it says right here in the graph, uh, for, you know, he finished off of through balls, cutbacks, crosses, progressive passing moves, long balls, corners, free kicks. Like it's just kind of a kind of a staggering a- array of situations. Um, do you think that that could carry over uh, to some degree into the championship on a consistent basis with West Rom?
2: Yeah. So this comes from uh, Carlin Carpenter and Jim Moore have been doing a series for American Soccer Analysis called Where Goals Come From, where they break down kind of different types of passes that set up shots. Sure. And I, I did think it was interesting that DK didn't have kind of a, a signature pattern. I would have expected him to, to maybe finish off certain types of passes more than others. And that doesn't really show up in his MLS data in the championship. However, he's going to be playing a very different style of soccer. Uh, you know, he's playing for Valerian Ishmael, who he played for last year at Barnsley. Uh, they play basically the same way at West Brom. And that way is just kick the ball really high, really far, and then press as hard as you can after it. Sure. Uh, it's it's perfect launch and squish style which we talked about last week with the kingdoms of football thing uh DK I think is is very I mean he's a very physical player right he's he's very physically strong he's doesn't actually stand out for uh his aerial ability but I think Mm -hmm. that he does stand out for just kind of being able to box out and like keep guys out of the way and pull balls down in that way and that's very useful for West Brom's style uh so I, I I think that you know, maybe we don't expect him to finish a lot of shots with his head, but we do expect him to be able to pull down a lot of balls to kind of hold up play and and let West Brom run up and squish after they launch the ball. And that's that's something that he brings to the table for um, Ishmael team.
1: Well, as I mentioned uh, at the start of the of this segment, uh, I usually will, was planning on relying on you to sort of identify some interesting games. Uh, as we said, it's the international break, so there it's not. There are not a lot of club games, but there are a lot of international games. Among them, the U.S. men's national team returns to World Cup qualifying this week on Thursday with a game against El Salvador in beautiful Columbus, Ohio, at Lower.com Field. They wonderfully named Lower.com Field. I'm just never going to get used to saying that and making it feel normal. It's just not going to happen. Um, John... When the roster, as we're recording this, has literally just come out for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, it'll be largely the same by the time our listeners are hearing this on Monday, I would assume, yeah. barring injury or anything like that. What stands out to you uh, on this group, having just sort of looked through it? And what are you expecting to see from Greg Burhalter's side against El Salvador?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're mostly at a point with Berhalter where there aren't too many surprises. He's he's a pretty predictable guy. Uh, but. The two yeah. that kind of jumped out at me were Luca De La Torre is showing up in midfield from uh, Heracles in the Netherlands and Gabriel Salonina, who's how old is he now? 17? 17, uh, yeah. Yeah, with, with the Chicago Fire's in as our four-string goalkeeper. And, you know, with Salonina, I don't, I don't think that that means that he's going to play. Uh, I don't think that it means that we're trying to, like, cap him because he's a dual national. It's just bring him in with the guys and, and get him used to it. Cause it's pretty remarkable if you're starting in a top flight anywhere as a goalkeeper at 17 years old, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Luca De La Torre is a guy who I I honestly don't know that much about. I haven't followed him as closely as a lot of USMNT obsessives have. Uh, I do know that there's a coterie of USMNT obsessives who are very excited to see what this guy can bring to the midfield. And I do think that the United States national team has a lot of, of depth problems in midfield. So I'm, I'm curious to see what it brings to the table.
1: Well, it'll certainly be interesting to see how it all comes together in an actual starting lineup against El Salvador. Uh, we, will, of course, have Paul Tenorio and Sam Stasco on the ground there for that game and all the ones coming up. Uh, but until then, and until next week when Club Ball starts up again, John Muller, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
2: Thanks for having me. Talk to you next week.
1: Soccer Every Day is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic and listening on our app. And you can get 33% off a year's subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks so much for listening again and happy soccer to you all.